subscribe to our show and now hear us just FYI. Oh, all right. Well, that's I'll... so keep the profanity to a minimum. Does, does that mean I have to get dressed now? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, Suchi boy, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Good timing, too, by the way. Yeah, what's your district? House District 58B. So it's the cities of uh, Farmington, city of Far no, a little bit of Rosemont. It's Farmington and rural Dakota, and Rice counties. My neck of the woods, former neck of the woods. How far down do you go into Rice County? Uh, Northfield Township. Okay. My so, dad worked for the deputy for Rice County for 35 years. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Faribault. That's okay. my hometown. Yeah, my uh, my wife is from Faribault. So what year did you graduate from? 96. Okay, she was 89. So. What's your wife's last name? Wolof. No way. Yeah. Uh, was your brother Nate? No, but that's our nephew. No way. Yeah. So yeah. Nate played football with my, or play, is the same age as my brother. He played football. My brother didn't play sports, but he was a hell of a football player. Yeah, his uh, he lives out in South Dakota now. Shocking. Um, <laughs> and, uh, his kid plays football. We're connect. I'm, I'm establishing a connection with the guest, sir. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So no, he's a big, uh, just stocky. He yeah. was a he was a really good athlete. All right, Joe's looking at me. You ready, Joe? I'm not. No, you're 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 shaking. Your I, head think, I think I think. Minnesota is a small world. Oh, all right. I think it's going to get smaller in the future. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what we want to discuss. All right, I'm ready. You are, Joe. I am. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic podcast number 1084, May 24th, 2023. 95 degrees on this day in 2010 and 32 degrees on the 1925. You know what that means? In 2010, where it was 95 degrees, the kids were swimming. They're not going to wait till June. There's no start date. The start date for swimming is monocoside. They've been to your place and kept your beach free of weeds and algae like they've been doing for more than 60 years. With a complete line of lake and pond control products that take care of everything from weeds to algae. The products that are made in White Bear Lake, by the way, easy to use, work quickly. Register with the EPA and DNR, and their products are completely safe. Call them and tell them what you're looking at because the kids are tugging at you and they won't go in there until you get it cleaned up. Call Aquaside. They'll identify your weed problem and get you the right products. Call Aquaside at 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers, Manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Hyde in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. We're joined by uh, Pat Garofalo in the studio. Pat is the Republican. Representative from District 58B down, uh, what, Farmington Way, Rosemont, Northfield, uh, Wright County. Yet not on the, on the podcast. Rice, yeah. Rice yes, County. Sir. Yes, sir. Rice County. County. That is correct. Pat, you've been there. Uh, you've been in the legislature, what, almost 20 years? Correct. This is my 19th year. I'm serving in my 10th term. And has there been a DFL tri there's been a DFL trifecta during your time? Yeah, the Democrats had total control back in 2013 and 2014. 
What's the difference this time? Um, they're insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, Welcome to the show. Yeah. No, I would say you know back in 2013, uh, for those two years, the Democrats were in total control. But Mark Dayton was going to be on the ballot two years later, so he tempered his enthusiasm a little bit. In addition, the DFL party had more geographic and ideological balance, mm-hmm. so you still had substantial numbers of rural. DFLers, a uh, sizable portion on the Iron Range. And then also there were still DFL moderates. So you mm-hmm. had this sort of, you know, continuum of where people stand on whether social issues, fiscal issues, public safety. And that's all, that's all out, out of, um, gone now. It's primarily a metro dominated. They got a couple seats in Duluth and Rochester, uh, but they are all progressive left-wing liberals. And of course, Walls just got reelected. So he's got a lot of runway in front of him, so that's the those are the biggest differences. Really, is that um, it's 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 not it's nowhere near recognizable to the 2013 2014 term. It's nowhere near recognizable to uh, it even gets more unrecognizable. I would imagine the farther back you go. In other words, this is the DFL of my father's era. Right. Well, let's let's just be candid here. Uh, both political parties right now have way more crazy people than they used to have. Right. right. In, a, in a highly polarized political climate, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more left-wingers and a lot more right-wingers. But in the state of Minnesota, with the Democrats in total control, you're just having more visibility of that extremism. And, you know, until one or both of the political parties calm down, the best thing anyone can hope for is divided government. So mm-hmm. the left-wing and the right-wing cancel each other out. But in the absence of that, what we got this session is a complete left-wing freak show with that has uh, um, permanently changed the future of the state of Minnesota. It makes us appreciate gridlock, which we did not have. Well, if you look at, you know, I, I understand that like, people want things done, and I certainly want things done. But there's a reason why our system of government is set up the way it is with checks and balances and separation of powers. Mm-hmm. It's that just because you have 50% plus one doesn't mean you should be able to cram your agenda down. Uh, the other half of the state's throat. And that's exactly what happened this session. Explain to us, uh, we have heard and read that Republicans were shut out of conference committees, for example. Is it, did that happen? Is that true? For the most part, yes. Yeah, almost all of them. I mean, the people, when you look at the legislature and specifically the state Senate, there's 34 DFLers and 33 Republicans. Mm-hmm. So there's a one-seat majority there. And people... I think are left with a false impression that somehow you get proportional representation. Mm-hmm. No, no, you don't. Uh, it's like the difference between 33 degrees and 32 degrees when it comes to water. One is liquid, one is a solid, right. you know, water versus ice. Why isn't there something in place, though, to prevent that? Even if it's on the flip side, you know, we're, we're there to do the work of the people, and it's not just the work of the party. Or is it impossible to put a fail-safe in there like that? Well, no, it's not. It's not impossible. It's just that in a previously, even when you had sort of one sided government, you would have that geographic and ideological diversity. So there would be checks and balances. There would be opportunities for compromise and tempering things. But now with this highly polarized political climate, that's why you're seeing this. Um, and, and let's just, you know, we're speaking candidly here, but, yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's not like the governor, usually a governor 
would step in and kind of tap the brakes on some of the more left or okay. extremist stuff. So Roger Moe and Svigum could still sure. chit-chat with each other and disagree and not hate each other. Sure, but going beyond the personalities, usually a chief executive will step in and say, now, now, kids, let's calm down. We can't do everything all at once. We can't, uh, half the state, is, we're not going to demonize half the state and ram things down the people's throat. This governor is just not a good leader. Mm-hmm. He's just objectively, his principal experience for being the governor of our state is he spent 12 years out in Washington, D.C. And I don't care what political party you're from. You go to D.C. for 12 years, you learn how to do three things. You learn how to ask people for money. You learn how to tell people what they want to hear. And you learn how to blame other people for the problems that are happening. We saw that exquisitely when the riots broke out, right? Like, I mean, this guy just, mm-hmm. he was paralyzed. He froze. Yeah. And so the fact that he is unwilling to step in and be that leader now, you can see that manifested in the policy this year of why it is so far to the left. I started out cutting walls slack and grew to find him the most disappointing governor in my lifetime. And I'm not young anymore. So there's been a lot of governors. He has been the most disappointing. He's lied. He's, uh, and you're right. He didn't, uh, Dayton, I think, would say to the gang, let's cool it here a minute. Let's think things through. Uh, Walls never stepped up and did that. He signed everything they put in front of him. Now he's hesitating to sign this Uber and Lyft deal. What, what do you think is the real story behind that? I think uh, one of my friends said it best. He goes, Pat, you've become uh, so jaded and skeptical that you are now pro-Armageddon. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, a great line. So, uh, I, I responded back to him and I said, uh, uh, fact check crew. Yeah. yeah. that's So here's the, so for your listeners, if they don't know, uh, a bill was put on the governor's desk that would mandate how much Uber and Lyft, these rideshare apps, pay their drivers per mile and for, per time. Mm-hmm. And the effect of this is going to be that if this is enacted into law, an Uber is going to cost more in the Twin Cities than it will in Manhattan. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, and that's not hyperbole. No, this is, this, right. is, this is not like, uh, scary. Right? No, this is what's going to happen. And as you know, these rideshare companies, they know exactly what they can price their product at before they get demand destruction. Right. So Walls is in this spot now where if he signs this bill, you are going to see one of two scenarios. Either one, you're going to see massive increases in rates, immediate right. August 1st. Instantly. Instantly, yep. which is unlike most public policy. Usually bad public policy, there's a long runway on this. Right. If he, if he signs, I don't mean to laugh, but if he signs this into law, you are going to see it on August 1st immediately. The second scenario is, and this is a very real possibility from Uber and Lyft, they just may pull the plug in the sure. state. Sure. They just may say, Minnesota will be the only state without uh, right. Uber or Lyft services. And I think most people think of ride sharing as these recreational college kids, uh, people who don't want to own a car. They use it, you know, instead of having drunk driving issues, even last call. Yeah. And, and that, those are all, you know, things that people use it for. But there's a lot of senior citizens where Uber and Lyft, they partner with counties to provide mobility services. Right. It used to be that you have to book an appointment to go grocery shopping as a senior citizen. A bus shows you up, you stop at five different places. Well, these counties, they now partner with these ride sharers and 
the elderly have more freedom. It's, it saves a ton of money. Right. And it just works better. So if he signs the bill, there's going to be chaos. Mm -hmm. If he refuses to sign the bill, it automatically becomes law. He cannot pocket veto it. If he vetoes the bill, well, now he's on the opposite side of what has been falsely claimed as a social justice issue. Right. And so... Um, Wait, I missed that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, you know, what, what has happened here is that uh, some people have <laughs> figured out that if you get 103 people to change the law, you can simply just require a business to give money to you. Right. Right. And so far they got 102 of those 103. They just need the 103rd person to sign on. And that's walls. That's walls. Right. Yep. And so they, they rammed it through the house. They um, rammed it through the Senate. Um, there wasn't a single Republican vote for it, but these very narrow majorities uh, for various reasons, they enacted it. And a lot of the people who were at the Capitol, uh, they would lobby that this is a social justice issue, that this is a profitable company that is, uh, exploiting the workers of our state through uh, these uh, these driving arrangements. And um, it's just simply not true. Uber and Lyft are technology companies that have just provided amazing services. They've saved lives, they've lowered costs. But people have figured, a uh, small group of people have figured out that if you change the law, you can make people give you money. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now, I will tell you that if he allows this, if Walls allows this bill to become law, there's going to be a lot fewer people using the product or the plug just might get pulled in general, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to, I have to assume he's going to veto the bill. I, I Do have, you have faith that he will. I wouldn't call it faith, but I think that he is first and foremost, he is a politician and he wants to, he looks out for his own interests. If he signs this bill by the end of the year, there will be a special session to repeal this law. And no one likes to look like a fool in that short order but you know, wouldn't he do then what you just said he would blame somebody else or something else on why this needs to be for yeah, the special session anyway? i mean he's not going to accept responsibility. what he does i don't know but he will not take responsibility for it what do you think his political aspirations are i think he desperately wants to go back to washington i think he really well, we need to warn the country of his incompetence we need to warn the country that he's a dunce as a well, senator I don't, you know, I don't, I think that I mean, you have to understand when's the last time this guy had a private sector job? I don't think he's ever had. One. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to the question, but I don't think he's had one for a quite, um, you know, a long time if he's had one at all. So whether it's going back as a cabinet secretary or being a, mm. a senator or whatever, I think he just misses Washington DC. And, and you'll notice that he is on national TV a lot more than he should be, especially when you're a governor who oversaw the biggest public safety crisis in our state's history. Right. But he, uh, he's making the rounds. He, he, you know, he likes the attention and he likes Washington. Given that there are uh, ideologues on both sides, Republican and, and Democrat, <clears throat> in the past, it always felt like no matter what happened, we, we would survive, we'd overcome it, and it'll all work out. Uh, is it reasonable to not think that this time? In other words, to pay for what's been done is going to require incredible tax increases. You have to replicate an, eight, an $18 billion surplus. Yeah, that has, that's now being spent, which means you're going to have to come up with that amount of money from here on out. Right. So the surplus is gone. Right. Right. It's been, and not only did they blow through the surplus, they raised taxes. Um, contrary to the narrative you'll see from others, this is not 
the tax increases just aren't on rich people. The metro area sales tax is now going to be over 8%. Right. Um, in Minneapolis, you're looking at over 9%. In St. Paul, if they pass the pothole tax, right. <laughs> it's going to be, I think it's going to be, to be approaching 10% of a sales tax. Right. So all, and that's, that's baked into the brownies. So now going forward, what do, what do things look like? And that's really going to depend upon what happens in the 2024 elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Minnesota House is up for re-election. The Senate and the governor are not. If the House flips over to Republican control, then you'll have the, uh, the restoration of reasonableness. Mm-hmm. You'll have some adult supervision at the table so that compromise will be necessary. If the Democrats maintain total control after doing all this stuff, then, you know, they're going to, they're going to take what this is going to make. That'll make this session look like a, a modest and reasonable one. But there's going to have to, just from a mathematical standpoint, you are looking at a massive expansion of government that's taking place this year. We're talking about a state whose population is flat, whose uh, gross domestic product is growing at a rate of between 2 and 3%. We're talking about a 40% increase in mm-hmm. state government spending. Mm-hmm. And not, again, I don't want to say all of it was bad. Certainly, some of it was very boneheaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the fact that they're giving money to these protesters in Minneapolis for the Roof Depot site mm-hmm. just drives me nuts. Uh, you know, you got the, they want to put a lid on I-94 and put a park on top of it, um, <laughs> which is, it's just, you can't, you guys, you cannot make this shit up. This stuff up. I'm That's sorry. Okay. It's okay. a podcast. We're, a podcast. Yeah. We're loose. <laughs> it's a podcast. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's a podcast. <laughs> um, it's, but it's no, utter insane. No, they yeah. want, so think about this. Think about what it costs to put a lid on I-94. Okay, that's a, that's a ton of money. Then the maintenance of that. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in Minnesota, the roads freeze and thaw. Yeah. And the gets cold. I'm think, aware of that. Yeah. Think about what the maintenance costs are. You can't do anything other than laugh. Right. And so they're spending money right now on uh, throwing money at the nonprofit sector so they can go out into the community and listen. Mm-hmm. Listen and feel, what do they want for this lid? Man, I got to get a hold of some of this money. What yeah. a racket. Yeah. What do you do? Well, I go into the community and I talk to them about what it's like. What should we do with this lid we're going to put on I-94? It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But on, on a serious side, you know, it's, um, there is, in, in this polarized political climate we're in, people believe what they want to believe. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's take a look, for example, at uh, public safety, Right. Any objective analysis of the state of Minnesota's public uh, public safety policies in the last five to ten years are that they failed. Um, and Minneapolis and St. Paul comprise 13% of the state's population. 65% of the murders are there. Mm-hmm. Okay, So the idea that the policies that these count that Ramsey, Hennepin and Ramsey County and these cities are administering from policing to enforcement to um, sentencing and plea bargains, that it, any resemblance that this is working is false. Do you Pat, see it? Is anyone on the left acknowledging that? No, no, no. no. And, and it's, it's this level of denial. Right. Pat, so, do you grill? You grill out with your charcoal grill? I try to. Rescue. Yeah. We got to get you to Groundhog for the old fashioned meats in Hugo. It's on Highway 61 north of Hugo. Write it down, Pat. If you're not familiar with Groundhoppers, it's in Hugo and Forest Lake on 97, just west of 35. It's double smoked hams and double smoked thick cut bacon, 140 different flavors of brats, town ball meatloaf, rookie burgers. It's a meat emporium. Great salmon, too, by the way. Salmon. uh, It's just a fantastic, fantastic 
meat establishment. Uh, GLers have made it their own. I think there's been families that have started. You think so? Yeah, uh, people running into each yes. other there and saying, hey, I've How seen you, you before. Yeah, yeah things going. It's Grunhofer's <laughs> Old Fashioned Meats. It's uh, beef is Minnesota grown. So this is all beef for Minnesota farmers while they're still in business. Yeah. While you can well, still, while you can still raise point. meat. <laughs> and uh, you'll, uh, you'll be uh, thanking yourself to uh, get to Grunhofer's in Hugo and in Forest Lake. That was awesome. <laughs> um, I'll be ready in just a minute. You can basically use any language you want. We try I, not to use the F word. Okay, I, I will do that. Not, I will not do that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just I, it's, I it's well during these off airs. I've let it a few times. It's unseemly. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't. You we can use it. There's nothing to stop us, but we choose not to. Yeah, that's no. I just got myself a little worked up there, and then it, that's I, fine. I, think I caught it. I caught it like three quarters of the <laughs> way. I want you to be worked up. I want yeah, you to be. Worked you up. should be worked up. Right. It's a, I'm. I'm trying to. I want to be positive, guys, and like I don't want to come across as like you know Debbie Downer. This is the uh, Slit Your Wrist podcast episode. Um, that's. Not, I don't want to be that way, but the facts are just. Uh, no, we're more, gonna get. There. We're gonna get. There. Yeah, it's just tough. I got. I want to take this a minute. A different direction. When we come back. Okay, just give me a second. Sorry, I just got to add insertion here, and then I should be good to go. Is there a is there a story behind the post note that says toilet? That's Royce. That's his show notes. He was going to tell us about he had to hire a guy to replace a bleeping toilet seat. These are my show notes. Not a toilet, a toilet seat. The toilet and that was his notes. So I said I'm not throwing that away. Yeah, that one's going to stay there for a while. Archives. I'm Pat, by the way. Pat Rookie, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's uh, I have fun today. You ever listen to the show? You know, I work full time. Yeah, and I'm a legislator. Yeah. I don't watch or really listen to any video or audio content. Right, I do a lot of reading. That's it. Right. So don't take it as a slight. I just no, don't. no. But the beauty of podcasting is you can listen to it whenever you want. Yeah. You know. The um the reason why I got on here is one of our staff members reached out to me and asked me to be on, and they're like they. I forget the numbers you shared with me about the number of downloads you guys have. It's a pretty popular it's pretty, podcast. Pretty crazy. Yeah. You guys do pretty good. So. It's over a million a month. We're very that's, humbly happy. That's good. Right. Good for you guys. Uh, I'm just going to do Hofferman Joe when we get back, and then the floor is yours. Well, let's go. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go here. Okay. That's a busy guy. Word. Oh, come on. Don't do that to me right now. All right. <clears throat> here we go. I am rolling. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Uh Hoffman and Water. Yes, they've been with Garage Logic and yours truly for years now. And if you're thinking about making the switch inside of your home, I cannot recommend them highly enough. I went with the new Connecticut water treatment system years ago, and it was one of the first things I had to do when I moved into my new place back in January of 2022. So here's the deal. Get on their schedule right now. Spring is busy for Hofferman Water. 952-894-4040. That's their phone number. Or just visit their website, HoffermanWater.com. And if you go on their website, you can see every single system that they have to offer, whether it's a drinking water system, a brand new water softener, whatever. They'll take care of you because Hofferman Water has been proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. Tell them that you heard about them here on the Garage Logic podcast. Pat, we're with Pat Garofalo, a Republican member of the 
Minnesota House of Representatives. I, I did some reading about your background, and I, I'm noticing now, is that a photograph of you on the Wall of China? Yeah, that's me at the Great Wall of China. Why? Why? What, what are you, a commie, or what, what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> I'm a double agent. <laughs> Worst double agent announces it on a podcast. <laughs> right. No, I had the opportunity to go on a trade mission to China uh, through an organization called the Council of State Governments with the former governor of Nevada. Mm-hmm. We got to visit four different cities over there, and one of the one of the stops we had from a cultural visit was going to the Great Wall of China. That's it was pretty cool. It was a great experience. Yeah. I will tell you this one quick sidebar on this, that people view China as like our competitor for right. world superpower status. Mm-hmm. They're not. Right. They're screwed. Yeah. They have an unfixable demographic crisis because of their one-child policy. No right. one wants to immigrate there. Right. Their court system is in no way mature. They have 96% of their people in prison or because of confessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have. Wow. They are no longer the world's largest country. Did you know that? India oh, I did not know yeah, that. India has surpassed them, and they are in a population decline and a demographic crisis. It's unfixable. That wow. country is screwed. They, really? They are totally screwed. And you spend one hour there, you get pollution. Oh, it defies description how bad their pollution is. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So much like the video that Rook and I used to play, the City of Cleveland tourism video, at least we're not Detroit. Right. We can at least say, hey, at least we're not China. Not China. Yeah. Is that well, what you're saying? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing there is that they, their citizens understand that their government is limiting their access to freedom. And, wow. and, and But the problem is it's always been rationalized as, well, there's never been a recession. The economy is going good. Uh, that's, you know, when you have a contracting population with that type of economy, uh, they're going to have some serious, you're going to have some modern day Tiananmen Square. When it happens, I don't know, but the biggest concern is, of course, that to maintain domestic support, they're going to artificially start a war. Mm-hmm. But they have, their population is dramatically declining. That They cannot fix it. And wow. it's, it's going to be fascinating to see where that country goes because they are, they ain't, ain't going to beat us, I'll tell you that. How old are you now? <sighs> 51. Were you born and raised in Rosemont? Correct. Well, I was and, born in St. Paul, moved out to uh, the suburbs in like first grade. Are okay. Irish? Yeah, a little bit of Irish. Yeah, the no. Rosemont fighting Irish, oh, yes. Yeah. I thought you meant like me. I'm like, it. hey, <laughs> let's tamper down with those stereotypes. You and uh, Julie Garoppolo have two children. Yes. How old are they? So Alex is 27, Abby is 24. And are they gainfully employed or are they living out the state? <laughs> no, they work. Uh, <laughs> uh, they work. Our, our son just got married this year uh, to a beautiful young woman named Teresita. And so they're, uh, they're married, living in Farmington and works construction. And our daughter is going to be starting PA school mm-hmm. um, in a couple of weeks here. So. Uh, I want to go back to the word mature. Are you running into... Again, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that there's crackpots on both ends of this spectrum. Are, are, did you run into a lot of what you would consider immaturity this session? Yeah, and you know some of this is a reflection of society. When you look mm-hmm. at politics, you know, if you're looking at politicians, a lot of them it's just like society looking in the mirror. And so you do have people who spend more time uh, looking at their cell phones than reading research summaries. Uh, people who self-select their data, they do not want to meet with people who are going to offer a contrarian perspective. But that's not a criticism of Republicans or Democrats. That's a criticism of modern American society. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a trend line that's moving. It just becomes much more magnified when a smaller group of people have total control of Minnesota's power system. Mm-hmm. Do they think that, do they understand the financial ramifications of what they've done? No, no, they don't. And they don't care. 
Why uh, don't they care? Well, because the first organizing principle of any political organization is the retainment of power. Mm -hmm. And so if the, if, if they were to acknowledge the fact that wealth is leaving the state of Minnesota, that people are migrating out, they don't really care because that, that part of the electorate is more likely to shade conservative than progressive. Right. And if the price for a more blue or more democratically elected population is that we have economic stagnation or less wealth, well, that's a small price to pay for maintaining political power. For what purposes do they want the power? What, what is their end game? Well, I think for many on the left, you have to understand that government is their religion. You know, the capital is their temple mm -hmm. and they view people like me and other conservatives as the Pharisees in the temple. Mm -hmm. we, we are unjust. We do not belong there. We are wrong, whether it's cultural, fiscal redistribution. But all of this is under the umbrella of that sort of modern day Marxism, redistribution, mm -hmm. seizing the means of production. And, and I recognize this language sounds hard, but it is it's accurate. And so to understand where Minnesota is going, you just have to look at other states that have already implemented these policies. Mm -hmm. So for example, the state of Illinois, uh, we have IRS migration data. Every year, the Internal Revenue Service publishes data saying, hey, here's the number of people that filed their taxes in one state and then filed them in another state the next year. And here's the amount of adjusted gross income that was, won or, or was gained or lost. The state of Illinois, lost $10 billion of adjusted gross income. What? $10 billion, yeah. One out of every $40 that were made in the state left in one year, okay? Yep. Now, if you listen to the Democrats in Illinois, they will tell you things are fine. They'll deny there's a problem. Everything's, everything's okay. Think about that. Two and a half percent of all their adjusted gross income left in one year. And, and that's just one year. So this cumulatively stacks up. So now let's take a look at the policies that Minnesota just enacted. They very closely mirror those, those um, policies from California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. What's been happening in Minnesota before these policies even went into effect? Well, the most recent year we have, you take a look at what Minnesota's migration data is, and it's good to compare it to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin's similarly sized, similar climate, similar demographic. Uh, the state of Wisconsin lost $61 million of adjusted gross income. That same year, the state of Minnesota to wealth migration lost one and a half billion. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we and lost- this is 2021 data, right? From the this, year, this is fiscal year 2021. This is, book, this is right. before any of this stuff has gone into effect this year. So we are already on the wrong track and we are bleeding people, we're bleeding investment and we're bleeding wealth. And what happened this session was pouring gas on the fire. Mm -hmm. So the question is, will there ever be an acknowledgement that this isn't working? And what you've seen in Illinois, you've seen in California, they just, just like the public safety crisis that's happening, the, you know, Mary Moriarty denies it's a problem. Right. Uh, quick sidebar here, House representatives, the Democrats were so concerned about public safety, they prohibited us from using, saying the name Mary Moriarty on the House floor. Really? I'm not kidding. What? I'm dead serious. Yeah. Mary Moriality. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's where, so what, that's why, what, was their, what was the reason for that? Your, uh, Mason's guidelines are you're not supposed to reference other elected officials. I've been there 19 years. That's never happened before. But, there's, oh. but that's where their focus is on public safety matters. So whether it's 
the public safety crisis we're experiencing, whether it's wealth migration, don't expect a humble Democratic Party to come back in anytime soon and say, oops, you know, we were wrong, let's make some changes. Um, in fact, it'll just be the opposite of it. it'll be doubling down. And this is a, I don't want to go out and say that government is the only reason this is happening in Minnesota, but clearly the flight of wealth out of Minnesota is happening at a much higher rate than our peer state. Pat, on this show, we call it, we've been calling it the mystery. And, and, and the short term, the short version definition of the mystery is the attempt by a certain faction of Americans to bring about a country that is not America. It seems to me that the DFLs, DFLers I witnessed in this session are Mysterians. They're attempting to bring about a country that I personally don't recognize. Its conventions, its traditions, its fiduciary responsibility all seem to be second rate to them. They don't, they don't bring these into play. And, and so when I ask you, what is the end game? What, what in God's name is the end game? If you, if you are successful in driving away wealth and driving away investment, what are you left with? Well, I think they want a more they want a form of government and a free market system that more closely mirrors Canada and Western Europe than the American model. Mm -hmm. And if you look across the world, the United States of America is the number one free agent destination on the planet. Right. More citizens of this world want to come to the United States of America than any other country on earth. It's not even close. Right. So where people want to go to is a, is a determining factor in how successful you're being. And they, the left doesn't like talking about that. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about the successes of Western Europe. They want to talk about places where the means of production are more captured by the public sector. But it's clear that that model, the, the American model is better. It works. It means more prosperity for more people. Our system of private property with individual liberties and personal freedoms, it just works better than these European countries. And, but that's not, that is not the model they want. That's the change they see. Have you met DFLers that you consider extremely intelligent and yet they hold this view? So it's a hard spot for me because um, some of these people are my friends. Like mm -hmm. I've known them a long time. Like these are the people that I would, you know, I'd trust them to watch my house, right? Mm -hmm. I would trust them like to, when my kids were younger to babysit my kids. But I don't know if I'd trust them with five bucks. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> um, so I think... In this polarized political climate, it's very difficult for anyone to speak contrarian to, you know, the, their party's narrative. I mean, I have, uh, I have no problem. Like, I don't think, I think Trump sucks. I think he's just a horrible candidate. I do too. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but you would be hard pressed to find many Democrats who will tell you that Joe Biden's too old to run for president. Either. Right. So right. there's just, there's a lot of pressure to conform, not just from a politics, but also from a, a, a policy standpoint. I do believe in their heart of hearts there are some DFLers who know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Like they, they understand, their it, it, this is not infinity. There is a limit to craziness from uh, on the political spectrum. But there is so much enormous pressure to conform in a single party environment from the angry left wing that if you stand up to them at all, you're going to get primaried and taken out. And for some people on the left, this is the, you know, a lot of their identity is tied to whether they're in elected office. Thus, then going back to what you said earlier, their only interest is to stay in, in office, right? That would, that would fit I mean, that. Only is a big word. Okay. And I, I don't, I'm, you know, we're talking about a lot of people here. Again, some of these people are my friends. Sure. 
But there is, from their perspective, let's say there's some reasonable policy they really care about. Well, the only way they can sit at the table and have power is by sucking up and, and swallowing the far left agenda. Sure. And that is a, that's a conversation I've had with multiple members, you know, totally privately, that they're just not willing to stand up and fight this stuff. And that's this, you know, you guys are familiar with the term group thing, right? Right. Right. I mean, that's what this is. And in this environment, it just emboldened the hard left um, factions to jam the stuff down people's throats. Craziness has a limit if you're using the American model as the template. Craziness doesn't have a limit if they're out to destroy the American template. Well, those are, again, those are strong words, um, but look at the public safety situation in the Twin Cities, okay? Yeah. Did, they, did they deliberately do this? Did, did they deliberately cause the problems we're seeing right now? I would like to think no, that what this was was well-intentioned policies that were focused on social equity just went off the rails. Right. You know, you got kids getting killed in school, you got teachers showing up at school board meetings saying, when you stop letting us suspend people who were engaged in violent behavior, you didn't restore racial balance. All you did was like put staff and other students at risk. Um, I would like to think that, that this is not being deliberate. Um, but you look at you know transportation, the North Star Corridor. Mm -hmm. We could spend, we could give every rider a car right. and shut the line down and we'd still save money. Right. And did they shut the line down? Did they change it? No. Now we're building a train to Duluth. Okay, it's unneeded. It's unneeded. There's already a train that goes to Duluth, right? It's just Amtrak. Well, but more importantly, if you want to get from the Twin Cities to Duluth and you don't want to drive, you have a bus you can take. Right. The Jeff. Yeah. So we're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a fixed rail transit system at a time when our other fixed rail system is a catastrophe. I guess if there's one good news out of it, it's that maybe some of the people who are camped out on the light rail trains will now go up to Duluth. And, you know, I wonder if we're going <laughs> to do the same sort of fare box recovery they do now where it's the honor system. Mm -hmm. You just get on the train. I wonder if it'll be that way to Duluth. But, I mean, how do you objectively look at these transit lines that are failing? I mean, the most expensive, overbloated, public works project in state history, the Southwest Light Rail Line, they're shoveling more money into that. They're raising taxes for that to do more of it. And they're expanding it rather than walking back things that aren't working. It's, I would like to think they're not trying to destroy things. I would like to think that. But I think more than anything, it's just a level of denial. They want things, they want things to be true. What do, you, what do you do when you're not being a legislator? I'm a network engineer. So right. I work on, you have a real job. Yeah, <laughs> and that's um, it's actually interesting you bring that up, Joe. Maybe that's where you're going. Is that there are fewer and fewer legislators who have real jobs, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't I don't mean to say like being a legislator isn't a real job. I mean I work at it obviously, but you are seeing more and more people in the legislature. And you look in the biographies of this, you'll see legislators who are community activists, right. who work in the nonprofit sector, who work for government. Very few people who actually have employment in the private sector that they go to after the legislative session. And you do not want that. You do not want a public sector dominated legislative branch. How have you retained uh, not only your sanity, but your common sense? How, how is that? Is that from childhood? Is that from your upbringing? Uh, what's kept you, what, what keeps you doing this? It's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> um, so my mom and dad were both raised in St. Paul and from very large families. Mm -hmm. uh, 
my dad's family is from West 7th Street in St. Paul, which is the world's capital of common sense. You know it well. Yep, mm-hmm. so right across from the Judeos is yeah. the house that my dad grew up in. Where do you go to high school? Um, I think we went to Humboldt. Well, or he could have gone to Monroe. He might, actually, he, he might have gone to Monroe, too. I don't right. have to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, I grew up in a family that was actually pretty democratic when I grew up. Mm-hmm. But um, but that's not today's Democrats. No, no, totally. It, it's totally different. But right. when so when I grew I grew up in a family um, that my mom taught me at a young age to think for myself and be mm-hmm. independent and just kind of pounded that into my head. And she's a very, you know, she's a very strong woman. You still with us? Yes. Is his dad? dad. Yep. yep. Both mom and dad are my dad. Is, you might want to check in and see where he went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> Shut Other up. than that, you're pretty close. <laughs> He's He's gonna, like, you don't even know where I went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, like um, my mom is a very uh, strong, independent woman, very smart. Um, I got the opportunity. Great story. When I was a kid, she used to play cards like solitaire and I'd sit on her lap. And say, what's that? And she'd tell me the different cards. Mm-hmm. It was great until the I went to kindergarten at a Catholic elementary school, and they pointed up at the letter board and they said, "Does anyone know these letters?" And I raised my hand. I'm like, "Yeah, that's an ace. That's a jack. That's a kid." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, and then so again, my mom very independent, and so that in all of us, all of us. Uh, How many I, siblings? I got a brother and a sister. Yeah. A younger brother, younger sister. Uh, sister works in uh, public education. My brother is a. Um, sprinkler fitter, union yeah. sprinkler fitter. So that's yeah. why um, you'll notice that, like, well, not that you examine my voting record, but uh, I tend to be very supportive of the construction troop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then my dad, uh, he's the hardest working man I've met in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the fact that I have two full time jobs, a legislator mm-hmm. and a network engineer, I still feel like I'm lazy compared to my dad. Right. So, you know, so, don't let Joe give you too much grief when he's giving you the business of going out and running your dad went to high school. Ask Joe when his mother was still with us what room number yeah, she had. Well, yeah, she? I found it. I just had to <laughs> look at the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's your mama's here? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, she's 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 up down the second oh, floor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was on the other foot, Joe. It's kind of quiet. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks for coming in and helping me out. Right. Yeah. Third, third man in a photo. Right. Right. Pat, do you have aspirations beyond this? Political? No, no. I, the, Are you going to run again? I'll make a decision next year yeah. after uh yeah, we'll see how things go. How much more insanity you can take. Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that part of my personality is I love learning. I love knowledge. I love discovery. Every single day at the Capitol, there are people who are way more intelligent than me mm-hmm. who just want to come to the come and meet with me to educate me on the issues mm-hmm. from, a, from a whole bunch of things, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's the if you enjoy learning, mm-hmm. it's the best job on the planet because, mm-hmm. again, all day long, these experts in these fields come in and explain this is where things are, where we're going, whether it's you know, trade, transportation, uh, sports gambling, uh, you know, whatever sure. it is. And so, I do love that aspect of it. But what I dislike intensely is mindless polarization. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that sort of polarization, that extremism, the mindless nature of thinking, that is on the rise in both parties. And that is the that is the part that I do not like. Do you think that polarization predates Trump? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just if you look back uh, up until nineteen ninety-four, there was sort of a basic status quo of divided government in this country, and that was the Democrats had controlled the House of Representatives for 40 years. Uh, the presidency from uh, 1968 until 1992 
had been exclusively Republican with the exception of the four years of Jimmy Carter Mm -hmm. and the Senate kind of ping pong back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so things were pretty stable. Well, then when the 94 election came and Republicans took the Congress, Republicans took Congress, that's when you started seeing more instability and more and more of a drive towards polarization. Again, whether people want to blame the left or the right is that's their perspective, but um, that's when it really started kicking off. But I think the accelerant that has made things worse is um, social media. Mm-hmm. And the no Russians question. the Russians, and America's adversaries figured out much quicker than us that you could get into these social media programs and you could pit Americans against each other. Um, and that, because no one can defeat us, right? We can defeat ourselves. But the, our adversaries figured out that you could manipulate social media to wipe people out. You, you said that uh, more and more, and we know this, uh, more and more of the uh, political class are coming to politics with no experience. They haven't had private sector jobs. They're from a pool of activists that are readily available. And I uh, constantly am talking to younger people in St. Paul, for example, trying to convince them to run and they won't. And uh, I'm wondering what it will take to get more people like you to run, for example, uh, because it's not happening. It's just not happening. Well, the... So there's a hundred, for example, in Minnesota, there's 134 house seats, right? The vast majority of those seats, we know who's going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in Minneapolis or St. Paul, the DFL endorsed candidate's going to win. If you're in Wright County or rural Minnesota, Republican candidate's going to win. It really comes down to about 15 to 20 swing seats, mm-hmm. uh, the outskirts of the suburbs, some regional centers. That's where the majorities are won and lost. Are there any swing seats in the urban area no yeah no um so i would say that in the first tier suburbs there's right. opportunities um uh we used to just you know, before the last election um st paul park representative keith frankie right. that area um you have seats like that but not in the minneapolis and st paul it's, it's one party dominated and that's why it's um i, I think we need to to do outreach, but also there needs to be some reflection from these progressive voters. I mean, I look at the Minneapolis public school system. Uh, there are now more school-age children in Minneapolis than there used to be, but the enrollment in the Minneapolis public school system has collapsed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is a system that is on the state of, of collapse right now. And so progressive parents, these are not right-wing conservatives, uh, progressive parents have opted out of that system. They're sending their they're open enrolling in other districts, homeschooling, charter schools. And so what progressive parents have done with their kids' education in Minneapolis, that's what Minnesotans with money are doing statewide. They're opting out and leaving. And this is happening. And the sooner we can get people across both sides of the aisle to, to recognize that, we just have to acknowledge the problem because right now there's some people who deny it's happening. Well, I read your your tweet about this on the show a couple of days ago, and I was looking at the replies saying, "How are you arguing with this?" Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Well, it's it's and again, there's a debate about why it's happening. Uh, there's a debate about what we should do to stop it. But just right now, we have to get people to realize that wealth is fleeing our state. Wealth is cowardly. If you scare it, it will run away. And so that is the, that's the thing I've been trying to just educate people on. It's like, and like you said, social media is hilarious because you put it out there and they go, oh, what's your data? I'm like, well, here's the IRS. The IRS website. <laughs> it's, like it's, right, yeah. it's, it's right here. 
in uh, on the house floor, I actually challenged my DFL colleagues. I brought a computer to the retiring room and set up a giant monitor and said, sit down with me and I will show you the spreadsheets. I'm not manipulating them to show you what is going on. Um, it, it's fascinating. And not all, how do I say this without this being so totally cryptically negative, but you know, the, so be the, cryptically negative. No, but I mean, this, the, you can only, when you look at the data, you have to realize that there's, there's a lot of factors for why people move. We would expect that, right? I mean, right. when you get older, would you rather sh shovel snow in April or not shovel or snow? Or golf in January. Right? Right. Right. If you are a high wealth individual, you are an idiot if you die in Minnesota. I mean, you're just you're <laughs> yes, you no, I'm sorry, you are a total moron. Our estate taxes just punish you in ways that other states don't. What's so, the limit right now on the estate tax? Three and a half million. We're out of conformity with the federal government. I know that. So like yeah. if you if you die in another state, you get to pass on more of your wealth than right. you do if you're in Minnesota. I, right. I forget what the exact amount is, and there's a different exclusion for farmers. But the point is, you know, and, and I don't want to be partisan. I'll give people an do you have I run through a quick example sure, about absolutely. So in, in 2017, Trump and the Republican Congress made changes to the tax law. One of the things they did is they capped this thing called the state and local tax deduction. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to write off all your state income, state property taxes, and your license tabs. When they passed that in 2017, they said you cannot write off more than $10,000 in taxes. This was a devastating tax increase on people who live in high-income tax states like Minnesota. Okay, And the reason, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, someone else can debate it. What it was was a huge tax increase on upper middle income and wealthy Minnesotans. And what did the state of Minnesota do about it? Did no, we change our tax code? No. No. And so when you look at the data, it appears that that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That when the federal government got rid of that deductibility for high wealth individuals, it made the impact of high income taxes more real. Mm -hmm. Again, someone can, they can tell you whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. But the fact that we have not responded to that and we haven't adjusted our tax code, in fact, the Democrats just got done taking away more deductions from high wealth individuals, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's bad. And you can see New York, Illinois, uh, other high tax, high cost states uh, are living through this and, and they're, they're bleeding wealth and population. And in a state like Minnesota, where so much of our taxes are paid by a small percentage of the population, right. when one of these people leaves, that just leaves a smaller tax base to support this growing uh, government syndicate we have here. Right. The, so, uh, the, the financial obligation is growing with a shorter pool of people to pay it. Yeah. Think of it as like you, you have a bathtub and there's a sponge that, that soaks up that tax capacity. Right. If the sponge is smaller, yeah. <laughs> you're just going to soak up less. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, and I will say if um, the state of Massachusetts, their governor has figured it out. She, uh, liberal Democrat state, and they're trying to cut the capital gains tax rate because they've figured out that they are bleeding people and they're trying to reverse course. But this is uh, this is not an easy thing to fix once it gets started. This is a little bit of Humpty Dumpty. Once you, mm -hmm. you know, once you, know, you can't really put an egg back together. What drives it? Envy, jealousy, uh, bitterness, fairness, uh, fairness, fairness. fairness. Yeah. I mean, read, I mean, again, if you when you're when you're younger. These ideas of redistribution are incredibly popular. They're simple to understand. I mean, mm -hmm. Joe, you've got a you've got a lake of water, mm -hmm. and over here you have dry, barren land. Mm -hmm. What do we do to solve that problem? Mm -hmm. We irrigate it. We steer that water from where there is too much 
to where it is needed. And that water nourishes the land and it grows a crop. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. I guess I don't get it. <laughs> no, I mean, but that, that model, of, if, and it's, you know, if you look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, we do that with water. Why yeah. wouldn't it work with wealth? Well, because water doesn't think for itself. Right. Water doesn't have a motivating factors. Right. So that's, that's, and we know this model fails. And just, just to be clear, I'm not advocating that Minnesota be some sort of barren wasteland of no government services. But when you talk with people who have, I mean, the former mayor of Farmington just left this year, he moved to Texas. And I hope he's not mad that I mentioned that, but he went to Texas. And I, I've talked to some people from my district who've moved in the last 12 months. It's, and believe it or not, it's not, the high taxes are not the thing they specify. Right. They say, you know what, if I'm paying more, but I'm helping people or it's for the greater good, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. It's mm -hmm. about value. Like if I'm getting good, if I'm, if I'm helping contribute value sure. to the state, that's fine. But when they see the money being squandered and wasted and used on the worst COVID fraud in the nation, mm -hmm. I mean, Joe, they were, they were trying to buy a jet and deliver it to Kenya. They bought condominiums in Kenya. And the Walls administration kept giving them the money. Mm -hmm. When people see that stuff, at some point you go from being a generous taxpayer yep. to just being a chump. Right. And these people feel like they were being turned into chumps and they're leaving. Right. Pat, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'd love to have you in more often if you're willing. I'd love it. I thank you guys for the opportunity. I really do uh, yeah. appreciate it. You guys got any more? Should we let well, that go? I, I was going to ask him about the business oh, yeah. ramifications. You talked about the individual taxpayer leaving the state. Are we going to see come fiscal year of 2024 businesses saying, I can't afford to stay here? Well, it's important to realize that this decline doesn't happen overnight. Right. Right. Like the wealth migration, the, the death spiral, where uh, businesses close, so they lose jobs, so they lose customers. So they lose jobs, so they lose people, so they lose customers and just keeps going. That takes a while to, to happen. It's not instantaneous. It's not like, you know, Minnesota's not going to turn into Hoth, you know, the frozen right. planet of Hoth right, for right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, Empire strikes back. Empire, yes, yes. yes. My but I guess in your district, because you represent a healthy number of places where people are gainfully employed. I'm, I'm just wondering, are you hearing from people specifically so, saying, you know, small business is going to be so affected it, drastically by this? It is going to be. It is a barrier to start small businesses. That is no doubt about it. And we've just made it worse. I mean, there's going to be an announcement this year involving a Fortune 500 company in Minnesota. Mm. That's going to be pretty dramatic. And I, 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 can't, I can't really. I, mean, I don't. I, I don't want to let you go yet. Do you have time to stay absolutely. for another break? Do you have a garage door? I do. At home? Does it work? It does now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it doesn't, you call Precision Garage Door, Twin Cities Precision Garage Door, right now. Even though you haven't listened to the show that frequently, you tell them you're a GLer. You call them up, you go to their, their website, you say, I'm a garage logician. I want the free check. They come out and do a 25-point a inspection. It's an $85 service. They are not trying to sell you anything. I've met with these people. They're my new garage door people. They'll check the rollers, the springs, your opener, the fit of the door. They replace doors. They provide doors. They are... Uh, a one-stop shopping center for garage doors. They're called Precision Garage Door of the Twin Cities. And uh, you have until the end of May to identify as a GLer 
and take advantage of this 25 point safety inspection for free. That's normally 85 bucks and it's the real deal. They're not going to try to sell you anything. They're busy. They want to fix your place the first time uh, and they want to fix it correctly. And they do, they don't charge more for weekend visits either. And they're available 24 seven. It's precision garage door serving the Metro and Western Wisconsin precision garage door. They fix garage doors correctly. Find them online at precisiondoormn.com. It occurs to me, I do have to ask you about this family leave deal. Oh, I, I was kind of surprised you were. Yeah, I got to get to that. Hang on, yeah, I'll, I'll just take a minute and we'll just get right back. Yeah. You know what? I, true story. I had an agronomist store placed a couple of months ago. Yeah. Broke in. I think Precision Garage are the ones who did it. Really? Yeah, yes, up they there. were. You know that they were. They were for sure. <laughs> <laughs> who was, who was. Uh, all right. And then I just need. You have hobbies that you do in your off time? Do you have, are you a. Yeah. I mean, I like to play chess. I like to travel. Um, I like to bet on sports. I like the mathematical aspect of. Uh, betting on sports in terms yeah. of probabilities, uh, abusing sports gambling promotions from Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't need Minnesota teams. I'll tell you what, it, water I would love a water, please. Thank you. Copper water. Water. Um, if you fade Minnesota sports teams, if you bet against them mm-hmm. in big games, you will make money. Yes. I just, I've, I've started doing it, and it... it I wouldn't use it in your re-election campaign. I don't care. <laughs> 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 Listen, I... I'm sorry, but uh, that's just the way it is. Right. I, like I uh, just if you, uh, it's incredible how much Minnesota teams just choke in big games. Right. It's like I faded the Vikings. I just made the decision to fade the Vikings in the playoffs, even though I had a Super Bowl ticket on them. And of course, they laid an egg against the Giants. And so, but uh, no, so I like that. I really enjoy traveling, uh, chess. Try to exercise the state balance. I enjoy reading. Yeah. Uh, a lot of different All right. uh, How about you? What do you do in your free time? Oh, shit. <laughs> Golf, British sports cars, you name it. Uh, boating. Uh, I, I'm bitching, moaning. Complaining about these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, I'm rolling. Cannot stop him. Make a move. Joey Fujiway. I can't let you off a little. Go yet. So much to discuss. You just wound them all up again. Well, the Family Leave and Medical Act. Uh, what what is, a number of things astonish me about it. One, that's the taxation that will result in for everybody. And two, it's the creation of a new government bureaucracy of 400 people and they have to have computers and secretaries and television screens and paper and paper clips and offices and desks and elevators and well that that'll have to be paid for in perpetuity so they're spending 700 million dollars just to put the infrastructure in place that's what 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 i described that's what you're talking about that is just the computer system. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, right now, there are too many, there's not enough workers in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So I don't know where they're going to get these people from, these computer programmers. But so putting that aside, the fact that they're constructing this permanent infrastructure 
tell me if you can do the math on this, if this works for you guys. In exchange for paying seven-tenths of 1% of your income, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to get 12 weeks paid. Okay? I'm not allowed to do math on the show. <laughs> but So the benefit set does not match the level of taxation. So the seven-tenths of 1%, uh, the employer can either pay all of it or they can pay half of it and put it onto their employee. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what they're creating is a system where if you don't take 12 weeks off, you're kind of a chump. Mm -hmm. right. 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 And so we all know there's people in the office. We're not pointing fingers at anyone. There's people who will abuse the programs. Mm -hmm. But every year people will be able to get 12 weeks off and it doesn't have to be consecutive. You can take intermittent leave. That's three months. Yeah. Yeah. And here's in, in case that's not like weapons grade stupidity enough for you. Here's we'll, 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 we'll go a little deeper. Yeah. Help me out. Help me out. Weapons grade so, so if you're an independent contractor, like one of these Uber or Lyft drivers, yeah. you can voluntarily opt in. Okay. Wait, hang on. Now you're starting to talk to me. I'm an independent contractor. Oh, no, so, give, so, me, uh, give me the dope. So, Let's just say you've got a, an Uber driver who makes hypothetically $60,000 a year, okay? They opt into the system and they agree to pay seven-tenths of their, of their independent contractor wages into the system. They will now have access to 12 weeks of paid leave. Mm -hmm. So you're, For a pittance. For seven tenths, yeah. So that's just, almost as much as Joe's vacation this yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll be doing so, vacationing together, huh? So the taxation level, and again, oh there's there's no opting out of this. Like you are, if you have one employee, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. um, the benefit set they've made this Cadillac benefit set. They're, they're mirroring other states where we've seen this, where um, you are no longer going to go to your employer to get your compensation. You are going to go to the, the government and say, I'm going to be taking leave for this. This is the amount of money I get. And so that example I used of an Uber driver, they, get, they make $60,000 a year. They give up seven tenths of their uh, percent of their pay. They're going to get $1,000 a week for 12 weeks. They're going to be able to access $12,000 of benefits in exchange for seven tenths of 60,000, which is 420 bucks. Wow. So do you think there might be some problems with fraud? Do you think there might be some problems? It's not sustainable. No, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's going to make a lunch fraud uh, a, a drop well, in the bucket. And you think they know, they know this one, remember before we were wondering, are they really just, they know this one isn't going to work. And the reason why we know that, look at when the payroll tax is kicking, 2025. Mm -hmm. They've, they've kicked out the implementation of this because they know, like they, they, um, in the bill, they have an actuarial study. You'd think you'd do the actuarial study before you pass the law. Who is the one. principal author of this bill? Who's behind this? <laughs> uh, like, like the legislator or the powers that the be? The legislator. So in the House, it's Representative Ruth Richardson. In the Senate, it is uh, Elise Mann. And who are the powers that be? Oh, this is just the seize the means, seize the means of production crowd. Mm -hmm. This is the, you know. And again, we all want people to have paid leave. We want people to have time off. But this sort of mandatory one size fits all, everyone is forced into the system. Whether you currently have FMLA or not, doesn't matter. And what was what was their driving? What compelled them? Fairness, fairness, equity, equity, redistribution. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so, there's equity with what? Uh, nobody that I know gets twelve weeks off a year. 
Well, it's because the greedy capitalists are exploiting workers, and we must, you know, it really is proletariat will rise up. It really is the introduction of a of a watered down Marxism, isn't it? Well, what it is is the means of production and decisions more being made by the government, the collective, whatever the you know aspects of government and bureaucrats than the private sector. Mm -hmm. Now we have always had a government that is able to, you know, recognize that there are people who will try to exploit others in the name of the profit motive. That's why we have labor protections. We stand these corners up, but we do not operate from a presumption that the state always knows better than the private sector. And that's the model we're moving towards. So this paid leave program, I mean, this is going to blow up, right? This is going to, again, it's going to make it another cost to hire people. It's going to be another cost. Um, And, the, the, the way this program is set up is that there's no check on fraud. So if you're an employer, right, if you're an unscrupulous employer, what a great way to shed payroll. Mm-hmm. Go to one of your employees and go, hey, listen, why don't you take leave? Mm-hmm. I'll pay you some cash under the table and then get supplemented from the pool. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm going to save money as a crooked employer and you're going to make money as a crooked employee. And there's going to be no checks on the system. What sins do you see being committed under the rubric of climate change? I see great sins uh, awaiting us uh, in terms of uh, uh, behavior control and uh, new taxes. Uh, Green energy is not working right now. It's going to take a long time. If it ever does make sense, it's a long way for making sense. And I see the the crowd drifting that way. Well, energy policy is one of my uh, passions of the legislature. Mm -hmm. It kind of applies to the nerdy aspect of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first of all, let me just say, like, right now we put, you know, we put 35 billion tons of man-made CO2 into the atmosphere every year. Mm -hmm. That's unsustainable, right? You can't keep doing that. It is impacting climate to a certain degree. Okay, so let's put that aside. My way of saying that would be the climate has always changed and always will. Right, but the difference here is that you can't, in my opinion, you can't you can't just load the atmosphere up with an endless amount of CO two. Then you better stop forest fires and volcanoes. Well, here's the thing: if you want, and that's where I'm pivoting to, is that if you're a person who is truly concerned about CO two emissions and you're interested in reducing fossil fuels, then you damn well better keep your nuclear power plants open. Right. Okay. You better keep your nuclear power plants open, and as you need expansive, reliable energy, you better build new ones. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you got places like Germany that are shutting down their nuclear power plants. Right. Um, in Minnesota, I, w- I will give the Democrats credit for this. They're keeping Prairie Island and Monticello open. Mm-hmm. Now, we are one of, we're the only state in the country that has a moratorium on building new nuclear plants. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, but it's, it's important to understand that when people talk about green energy, you have to look at the cost and the benefit. And the, this, the policies they enacted this year are very, very expensive with very little carbon mitigation. Mm-hmm. We're giving people $1,500 tax credits to buy electric bikes. Are you shitting me? I mean, that, that is, that's what, no, it's just, it's, so again, we should all agree. <laughs> you can get an electric bike for 1500 bucks. Well, not anymore. <laughs> you know, you think there would be some markups going that's on? True. Yeah. And so, and again, I, I drive a Tesla. I've had an electric vehicle for nine years. That's a shame. I'm no. sorry you're stuck with that. 
Oh, it's what are you talking about? It's an oh, awesome God. car. Piece of shit. Oh, screw you. <laughs> oh, no, what are you talking about? I love oh, I it love sounds it. like Governor Ventura. No, 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 like I love, no. I love I love my Tesla. I'll never go back to a gas. Well, you, you didn't do a thing to save the earth by driving a Tesla. Who said I did? Okay. I don't give a shit about right. that. I'm saying right. this. I drive right. a Tesla. I, go, listen, I drive a Tesla because I go zero to 60 in five oh, seconds. I know. Okay. I know. I drive a Tesla because my maintenance costs are near zero. Yeah. Who comes and gets you when you're stuck in the middle of Rosemont when you have to get the no, charge. No, if you run out of electricity driving a Tesla, yeah. you're an idiot. Okay, yeah. that, they make it super easy. I will say, yeah. truth and disclosure, I did it once. What's the button called? What's the button called when it goes zero to 60? It's uh, oh, insane mode. Insane no, no, no. Mode. I bought mine back in 2014, so I don't even have that. Oh, but, okay. But I, I, so I'll, I'll take you for a drive sometime. I have, I've been in them. Okay, I, my car's got 160,000 miles on it, yeah. original brakes. Yeah. Because it uses how many rich. batteries do we replace? Same one. Okay, what happens when you do have to replace one? Same thing as when you replace an engine in a car. You just get a new car. No, you don't get a new car. You, I mean, the, the important thing is with an electric car, a battery it fades over time, whereas an internal combustion engine, yeah. it's a fail. Like it fails, it's done. Yeah. No, I, I have uh, the maintenance costs on an electric. How do you feel guilty about these twelve-year-old kids in Africa that have to go down there and mine <laughs> lithium and nickel and cobalt? Well, there's. In, in, I don't know if you're. I think in seriousness, there's a legitimate issue with the supply chain. Yeah. So, hey, let me pivot to another example of Minnesota stupidity. So we are going to be having more electric vehicles in America, right? Whether you like it or not, that's what's happening. Ford has basically discontinued almost all their passenger vehicles. That's the model we're going. Ford, by the way, brought back AM radio. That's uh, neither here nor there. I just wanted to get that into it. <laughs> they were going to cancel it, and they brought it back. Good. Yeah. So the uh, So what's happened is, as an administration, you know, the Biden administration wisely has said, we do not want to replace a foreign dependence on oil with a foreign dependence on battery mm -hmm. materials. So in Minnesota, we have a huge nickel deposit up in Tamarack, right? The Tamarack mine up in Aiken County. It's a perfect opportunity yeah. to have economic development to move Minnesota up to the front of jobs. There's a company called Talon, Talon right. Mining. I'm aware, very aware of this. Okay, so you've, you've heard this speech. Well, yeah. for your listeners who don't know, they have decided that they are going to take the, the material out of the ground yep. and they're going to train it out over to Western North Dakota yep. where it's going to get processed. And that's not even the worst part about it. So all the high-end manufacturing or refining and jobs over there, we're just going to dig a hole in the ground. The Biden administration took a look at their plan and said, yep, you're right. You can't build anything in Minnesota. We're giving them $100 million to do it. Mm -hmm. They're giving them over $100 million to move Minnesota to another state so it can actually be used for, for batteries. That's the sort of, to use the phrase you guys like, weapons-grade stupidity that we're seeing in public policy. Who advocates for a policy that is more expensive? Think of the pollution involved putting an entire damn mine onto a train and moving it to western North Dakota. Mm -hmm. So we lose the jobs, we pollute more, and it's more expensive, and you can't get and the Democrats are just in denial about it because they don't they don't want to they don't want to piss off their left left wing enviros. It's just it's insane. Mm -hmm. Besides, well, besides that, everything's great. You know, Pat, one of the things we always bring up on this show is are people aware? You know, the people that are that are when they're going to the ballot box and they're clicking down the the DFL uh, checkbox or checking the box of the DFL right down the ticket at, uh, on election day, are they aware? Are they are do they realize what's actually happening? What's your answer to that question? I think for swing voters, they just trust that people in elected office are making these complicated decisions, so they don't have to think about it. Right, they they're busy. They got a job. They got kids. kids you, got, you, got, you got stuff going on. 
everything you see on TV, you don't know who to believe anymore because right. people just make stuff up. And you got Orange Man bad running around claiming he lost the election when he got his ass kicked. You know, it's just it doesn't. It's like they don't they don't know who to like. You know, Biden's too damn old to run for president. Trump's too old, damn old to run for president. They're just kind of like, well, I don't know who to believe. I'm right. just gonna kind of. I'm just going to trust the people I'm voting for are doing things the right way. Okay, that Family Leave Act was not complicated. It was corrupt. It's not complicated. It was wrong. Right. And so that is something, though, that is the damage from that will not be until after the next election. Mm -hmm. Right? And so when it happens, rest assured, the, any acknowledgement of problems will be when the, pro, when the program is oversubscribed and there's a massive deficit in it and they have to raise the taxes, the Democrats will not acknowledge it as a failure, they will praise it and say, look how popular this program is. Look at oh how many people God, are using right. it. Mm -hmm. Oh, because this just shows how overworked Minnesotans have been. And now people are taking time to connect with their families or fly down to Florida for 12 weeks to take care of their parents in the winter. Or play they, COVID. Yeah, they, they, will not, they will not acknowledge the failure. They will embrace it and say, well, of course you have to pay more. This is the price of a civilized society. Look at, look at how popular this program is. They will absolutely embrace it. Uh, look at the, the fact that now we're giving uh, free health care to people who are in the country illegally. Right. We you talked about that yesterday. Did you? Okay. It's, so, well, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just another step yeah. of, of we can't, this isn't sustainable. We can't, we no. can't continue to do this. Yeah, this is not about the size and scope of government. This is about sustainability. Right. And you cannot keep bleeding wealth and importing people who are consuming government services. And I want to be very clear because when you use language like that, people go, oh, you're saying... Minnesota should only be for white people. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is the numbers have to add up. You cannot keep exporting wealth production and importing people who consume more government services. Right. Of course we want to integrate. Of course we're a melting pot and we want to be a prosperous state. But you have to pay the bills. And again, you know, later on this year, we're going to get a pretty big announcement from a Fortune 500 company that's going to show the direction Minnesota's going. And Maybe that will be the thing that kind of jolts people and gets get their attention. Well, it, it happened with Mayo Clinic and Governor Walls, where he finally said, "Uh oh." Uh, when Clinic, Mayo Clinic announced that they were going to yeah. take take their money if this, the Nurses Act was passed. Yeah, but what's the tipping point? You would think that letting Minneapolis burn for a week would be the accurate metric of incompetent leadership. Didn't seem to matter. No, you would think the largest COVID fraud in the nation, where people were using our tax dollars to buy condominiums in Kenya would be the tipping point. Well, apparently it wasn't. These same liberals in Minneapolis who opted their own kids out of the public school system because of the lack of uh, rigor, lack of curriculum, and the lack of public safety, they then go out and they vote for Democrats, the people responsible for the schools that they're fleeing. So, you know, what is the tipping point? I don't know. But I, I will tell you that we are on an unsustainable path right now. It doesn't mean everything's going to melt down tomorrow. It's not... You know, the apocalypse is not near, but you look, look, at, look at the trend lines of where we are going. We are following the model of places like New York, California, and Illinois. Think about California, how hard it is to screw that up. The cultural center of the Western Hemisphere, and they are bleeding people. New York, the financial center of the Western Hemisphere, bleeding people. Illinois, the transportation hub in the middle of America, the city of Chicago, right? Absolutely getting decimated by wealth destruction. And we think that in Minnesota, we can follow those trend lines and we're going to get a different result. Well, it's not going to happen. It's just a matter of how fast it happens. So uh, as always, you know, stay tuned. But it's, I mean, this is, this is the path that the voters of Minnesota chose.
Pat, I have three kids that I used to have, and uh, I'm going to make them listen to this show. I don't want them to hear what you've said today. Yeah. I, I'm not getting through to them. One the, of them who lives in Illinois. One of them lives in Illinois. <laughs> well, so, and again, I can't emphasize this enough. But we just have to get people to acknowledge that cost is a variable. It's not the only reason why. Mm-hmm. As I said before, there's, as you get older, you want to go somewhere warm. Um, the fact that the Panama Canal was expanded and allowed these ports in the southeastern United States to expand mm-hmm. has created more opportunity. Our port in Duluth freezes in the winter. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's no one's fault. But in the things that we can control, we are steering Minnesota into the ditch. And the sooner we get progressives, the conservatives are already there. But as soon as we get progressives to understand that cost is a variable that is driving wealth, investment, and people out of our state, then we can have the, the hard conversation. The hard conversation is what do you do to fix it? The easy part of the conversation is let's all realize this is happening and something needs to end. We need to fix things. Um, but, you know, you're going to see Walls having a press conference in front of the Capitol here talking about most productive legislative session in state mm-hmm. history. So it's all parroted on the newscasts and in the newspapers too, right? Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and again, it's just, I, I, I take no joy in the fact that we're going to be able to say, see, I told you so, but right. I, was, I would come back to that Minnesota-Wisconsin number. Right. It's not fair to compare Minnesota to Florida, two totally different states, or Minnesota and Tennessee. Compare Minnesota to Wisconsin. Right. Wisconsin lost $61 million of adjusted gross income. Minnesota lost $1.5 billion. Which is going to get worse. Yes. And this is all pre-roadside coat, uh, car fire, yeah. left-wing freak show legislative session. Right. Right. This is all before that. So once you look at that, even, and I, I understand that if someone has leftist tendencies or they're progressive Democrat, just look at that number and explain to me something other than public policy that accounts for it. Right. And what you distill, when you go through climate, demographics, size, all those variables, you realize it's government policy driving people out. And if we don't stop it, we are going to end up with a much, much um, more destruction than other blue states are that are experiencing it because of our location, because of our climate. Do you know if um, the, the campaign that Governor Walls had to recruit people from Florida to the state of Minnesota, did that have a significant impact? Are we seeing a lot of the teachers and things like that uh, well, uprooting their families from Florida well, moving to Minnesota? Hey, listen, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe Governor Walls' strategy of recruiting every woke shithead from across the country to come to Minnesota <laughs> right, is, maybe, you know, maybe that's the key to economic prosperity. You know, the people who want to come to Minnesota so they can, you know, so a woman can get an abortion in the fourth trimester, you right. know, so we can have that done here. So we can, uh, you know, th- that's going to be the cultural magnet that's going to provide economic prosperity for our state going forward. So I can mutilate my eight-year-old son into a girl. <laughs> right. It's like. You know what? Maybe that's maybe that's the model that's going to work out. I don't know, but I'll tell you what: it hasn't worked in all these other states that are doing this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. There is a long-term trend for multiple reasons of wealth investment in people migrating from the north and the northeast to the south and the east. The next census will be the first time in American history that the center of the population has not moved west. Wow! You, you look at going back to the 1700s. Our country has the center of population has always shifted west. It's just, it's, it's part of our, it's our DNA, right? Like, right. You go west. The land is cheaper, there's more space, more. that's where you go, you go west. In the last couple of decades, that curve has been bending farther and farther mm-hmm. south. And now with people fleeing both Oregon and Washington and moving farther east, 
you're, you're going to see the center of the population for the first time in American history not move west. Hmm. That is a pronounced, pronounced transformation of where economic activity in our country is occurring. And, there, and there's lots of reasons behind it, but cost and the government imposing higher costs are one of the reasons. Look at what it costs to build a house in um, Lake Elmo versus Hudson. Same labor pool, right? Yep. You, you can't ascribe it to land. You're talking about just the house. Talk to the builders and see how much more it costs purely because of government regulation and interference in that transaction. It is stunning. And now to solve the affordable housing crisis in the Twin Cities or in the state of Minnesota, what do the Democrats propose? Well, now we have a sales tax increase. So at one hand, the left wing is driving the cost of mandates, and now they're raising taxes to reduce the cost of the mandate they just enacted. It's, um, it's uh, incredibly foolish. But again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you know, maybe we're going to become woke shithead central. You are what we are. You're an outlier. I don't think you're, I am. No, your thinking is so positive. It's so right on that it doesn't make sense to the people that you're right on to that you're up against no i mean listen if, i don't care what your ideology is everyone has a threshold at which they lose patience for their money getting wasted mm -hmm. okay now i've i've i blew past mine a long time ago too. um when you know when i saw uh people buying a hundred multi hundred thousand dollar houses in lakeville with uh fraudulent money um uh, People only have a certain level of tolerance for corruption in their government, for yeah. waste in their government, yep. and for the incompetent delivery of government services. Everyone has that threshold. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Yeah. Pat Garofalo, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you've now made yourself probably a routine visitor uh, to, to grow. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't listen, care what you say. He's a frequent guest on the show. He doesn't even listen to I, it. I'm sorry. I, you guys are under the mistaken impression. I thought this was a podcast. I thought this was a therapy session. For me. <laughs> yeah. this is, I can cancel my appointment this afternoon. Right. So. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank really you. Appreciate thank it. you. Take a uh, time. <laughs>
But don't you think? Sorry, Tom. I had to mute the mic for for a minute. Be mad at me. Or you can be. Oh, uh, sure. Are we going to do another segment, or are you going to wrap it up? I don't. Well, Johnny wants to call in. Why? Because of his his flooding. I can't wait to listen to this podcast. This because you weren't listening earlier. Don't edit out anything. Oh, I'm not. No. Hey, he had more. He had that more passwords than we've had the entire time. That was. He even when I walked him out to the front door, he he said, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry for." Swear. I go, "No, it's, it's you're fine." Password is. You're not a Harvard employee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what a scam that family leave thing could be. Joe, Joe. It, <laughs> I mean seriously, four hundred. Collect twelve grand. If Mick was going to have, really? if Mick was going to have a, we might have another child. I'm going to have to go in for a reversal. <laughs> like what's his name did on the uh, the office? Yeah, but oh, I mean, no, seriously, I have no updated what? Uh, I thought I had Kenny do a tri-state. Oh, doesn't affect Joe. Joe is very nervous that he was care about that. Well, I do. I wasn't recording. What? Uh, okay, hold on. So I I I, I learned something today. I, I learned quite a bit, really. But what we learned is what to watch is the the uh, the leaping of wealth. Yeah, yeah. The, like you uh, said, I love his technology. The exit of wealth will be a real telling uh, part of whether the state can survive. Well, he's right, because those that are the wealthiest are going to have those people, or they're going to have their tax people say, you know, you're going to save uh, $4 million by living here. What are you going to do? Well, that and, you right. know, well, that and I felt for a long time, I'm a, I'm a chump. My taxes are not going to improve the lives of Minnesotans. They're going to hire 15 more inclusivity directors for the city of St. Paul. Uh, um, we're chumps. Just so you know, I did find the tri-state ad, so you can calm down. We're, we're good. Oh, you did find it? Yeah, he was. I know you were very. He was, he was going like this looking for papers. Where does that? Tri-state. Are you done, by the way, Joe? Uh, oh, I still no. need an eco font. Oh crap! You could have done it during the the electric light and yeah, whatever. Rookie, I need from you because you're gone tomorrow, right? I am. I need a Minnesota Masonic, and how about you do that? What as we bump bump back, please? Okay. Um, I got a meet with Seaman. Is this it? Is it all the S words we used? No. <laughs> I got to meet with him a quarter to two. Okay. You oh. wanted a one theory. I just switched it. Said no. All right. Uh, I'm just going to do this uh, email that you gave to me for Minnesota Masonic. All right. Are you ready? Is Hyde calling? 
I'll call him when Ricky doing his ad. Let's go. Rolling. I'll tell you, Minnesota Masonic oh, Cheers. Sorry. Oh, are you going to bump? I'm yeah, sorry. I'm bump back. Here we go. Three. He's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Sucherang. Man, the nuts and bolts of life. The nuts and bolts of life. Uh, sometimes you need a little bit of help, don't you? And again, as Pat Garofalo was just here, you don't want it from the government. You want it from people that care about you and that are going to actually get the work done. That's Minnesota Masonic Charities. Go to mnmasoniccharities.org. I want to read this video that I just got from a uh, Jonathan Voss. Good morning and hail the flashlight. I teach business and economics at Cathedral High School in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I'm a regular listener, but not a member of the town council. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll digress. Anyway, last week, Rookie read the self-scholar story about Maya Walls and Allison Schneider, two students at Cathedral High School. As I have had both of these fine young ladies as students, I congratulated them for their achievements and generosity. When they asked me where I heard about it, I told them your Garage Logic podcast. Naturally, I want to direct them to the podcast and date, but I couldn't remember it. Could you please help me out? Yes, I will. He'll pass it on to Allison and Maya. And thanks so much for pushing back. That's his email. He's talking about the Selfless Scholar Award at Minnesota Masonic Charities. Go online to learn more about it and their whole operation at mnmasoniccharities.org. Thanks, Joe. <clears throat> Sir. We need to go to the phone line. Jojo. Someone's like to take umbrage with you. Who's calling? Patrick. Hello? Hello? Johnny Height. Hi there. What's up? Hey. You're last yeah. in the next scale, by the way. You've been oh, oh yeah. That's why I called to take umbrage with that. But first, before I do that, I've been listening on the town council. I'm quite offended by the language used by your show. Ah, shut <laughs> up. That's all right. <laughs> And then I'd like to say that your audition for the new Colombo Colombo reboot went very well. Where you kept going, I just just one more thing, Pat. One oh, more, yeah. thing. one more thing to have that Colombo. He's well. too good to let go. That was very uh, done very well. I, I want good to guess, John. At at the uh, you saying I had a little leak Monday. Yeah, I hope you're up to your knees in water. <laughs> I pretty much was uh, yesterday and. I had about 15 guitars sitting there and about half a dozen amps and a TV and two dressers. And so my options were get all of that out of there quick or come listen to you complain about taxes. So I chose to do uh, everything. Can I, can I ask you a question? Uh, you, 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 you know yeah. where to turn the water off in your house? I turned it off as soon as I... Here's what happens. I know you, you never probably wash clothes. Let me tell you. I've washed clothes. I have directions. Oh, yeah. I have a sheet of directions that I consult. You see, when the, when the water fills the washing machine, it quits then and starts turning, right? You know, That's, right. Turning. That's right. Well, my water didn't shut off. So for a half hour, the water kept going, which means all of the overflow ended up in four different rooms in my third level. My and this, this went uh, on unbeknownst to you? Uh, yeah. Because that's when you should have run down and shut off the water. Well, as soon as I ran down to check the clothes, I saw it and I shut off the water. Okay, okay. See, but but how would I know before that? I see. And I would have uh, gladly been, you know, on the show today, but right now I have about five machines from the people down here doing carpet mitigation, whatever that. I don't hear a thing. I love carpet mitigation. Oh, hang on. All right, hang on. And it's right next to where I'm I do. Not, I'm not hearing anything. But just a minute, I've gone down to 
Cheers. Jeez. Who's bringing the truck, Freddie? Uh, yeah. Fred. All right. Here we go. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Did you hear it yet? I don't hear, hear a thing. So, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't hear anything. Room. Here's the other room. So. Well, I've been in. Room. I've been in. I've been in noisier churches. I haven't heard a thing here. <laughs> I'm serious. I, well, I, I don't, don't hear anything, Johnny. I don't hear anything. Are you guys serious? Yes. Okay, I'll stand right by it. All right. You don't hear that. Oh, not a bit. I'm serious, John. Not a bit. I think you're lying. Well, I'm not lying. You'll have to I listen can't... to the podcast because we don't. You don't hear. Yeah, anything. listen to this on the podcast because you won't oh, hear anything. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Well, there's like uh, four gigantic machines in my basement. Well, what do they got? Jet engines down there? I'm not hearing well, anything. Okay, hang okay. on. Just a minute. I'm going to put the phone right up. You tell me if you hear. Did you hear any of that? Sounds not like you're just thing. banging the phone on a washing yeah, machine. What it sounds like. I think you guys are open. Oh, I didn't hear anything. How'd you get that jet engine to land in your basement? Telling stories of Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to add to the bad language on the show today. So. Are, are you going to be on tomorrow or do you have to fix a, a screen well, I, I will be on tomorrow. And Friday. Uh, I, I may, yes, but I may have to. The machines may still have to be there past 10 tomorrow morning. Well, that won't are. be a problem because we can't hear them and I'm not making that up. I will bet you a million dollars our lovely microphones will pick those machines up. Well, we're on our microphones. All you have to do is well, listen to. On, the... I'm not. A, geez, really, technical genius. I'm not on my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that means we'll just see you in studio. <laughs> well, it'll all work out, John. And I hope you get your well, carpet dried I, out. I may be outside. Tomorrow. All right, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I hope it all works out for you. Oh, I will accept to get. Two rooms we've already had to tear up all the carpeting. Well, well you're yeah. mitigating that. You're mitigating. You'll be fine. Mitigating. Carpet uh, mitigation. I love it. A new all term right. I learned. All right. Sounds thank expensive. Thank, right. thank you, John. I, uh, I've been listening for an hour, so I'm going to get paid for the day, just so you guys yeah. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you punch in for that. Yeah. You don't get oh, paid for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, all that's right. good to know, Rook. Did thank you do that? You. We don't get paid for listening. Oh, we don't have to. Do you know that uh, a, a typhoon hit Guam? Oh, and, no. Did uh, the island flip over? Yeah, that's what Bert wonders. He was wondering if the island would tip over. And if it does, it's probably related to climate change. My guess. But we have an island uh, situation that tips over. And Scott, my, my fear is yeah, that uh, yeah. a whole island will uh, become so overly populated yeah. that it will tip over yeah. and... Uh, and capsize. Uh, well, we don't, uh, we don't anticipate that. Thank you. Scott from Infure Grove has a great point. Uh, never afraid and always pushing back. Uh, he can't remember the last time the sun was muted from internal combustion engines. The sun was oh. the sun has been muted by forest fires for days. Oh my I got a picture sent to me by a friend last night who was at the uh, Colorado Rockies game. Okay. They really got it. The, uh, the the haze with uh, the elevation. Oh, they really get. You couldn't see the mountains in the background. You couldn't really, see, couldn't see couldn't see anything. Uh, but uh, this is uh, 
this is a, a, a fact that he says, I can't remember the last time I remember making sunshine from the evil internal combustion engine. And he's correct. Uh, he says, I listen to your show of content every day. Truth be told, I feel like I'm being mugged, not by the criminal thugs that run rampant through the Twin Cities, but by the elected officials that my fellow Minnesotans have been foolish enough to vote for. Yes. They take our money without even having to say, stick them up. Every day I say a prayer to God to somehow wrestle sanity back into our lives. So far, it seems it hasn't gotten bad enough to elicit a response. Well, I think I think Scott will listen to the podcast and he'll hear this. I think I learned I think I learned one principal point from Pat Garofalo, who I find to be a really interesting guy. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? I think he's a sharp guy and he he knows his craft. We need the likes of him in office. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a he, because he knows his numbers too. Mm-hmm. But I think the most important thing we all learned is all of these games that they're playing, that's fine. That's what they do. They're, uh, there's radical ideologues on both sides of the aisle, although nobody from the Republican side of the aisle brought upon this economic ruin that this current mob of EFLers has brought. And the most important thing to watch will be that outflow of wealth. If that outflow of wealth continues, and he compared it to Wisconsin, they lost in the last time you could check IRS figures, they lost about sixty-seven million. Sixty-one. Sixty-one million in in income. Twenty in twenty twenty-one. It's the twenty twenty-one. Or or in taxes or in income? Income. Adjusted gross adjusted income. Adjusted gross income in Minnesota was well over a billion. One and a half. And that was before this. Yes. That was before this travesty. That's what's going to uh, that that's going to be what's going to determine our fate and that and if we start losing some familiar familiar companies and i i really hope that when and if these bigger companies you do decide to leave i i don't want them to play the political nice game well you know we're going through some struggle no tell the truth truth right this is this will be the telling point i think all glers learned a great deal today uh and and he made a great point. You can't paint these people as being somehow selfish or uncharitable. These are the people that have given uh, a lifetime of work to the state of Minnesota. But if you're going to just play me for a chump and waste the money I've been sending you, that I've had it. That that money's going nowhere to help create a Minnesota, a better Minnesota for everybody. You're playing me as a chump. I'll see you later. And if those figures start to grow, that's when this state will enter its failure. It'll it'll, it'll enter a failure period. And then it has to either be rescued or just let it go and fail completely. You say enter a failure period. Aren't we already there? Well, no. As he said, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, we're all going to wake up tomorrow and be able to eat breakfast and get to work. But but this out-migration of wealth will begin to take a serious toll as the as the uh, political class to cover for the loss of that wealth will begin to raise the taxes of the people who remain here to the point where the people who remain here will not be able to afford it. And then I don't wow. know what you have. <laughs> But we were served very poorly. We were served very poorly by this legislative session. I'll say. And uh, he mentioned electric bikes. 
I'm surprised you didn't mention EcoFund. Yeah. My man and my man and can't catch your tongue. At, at EcoFund is the electric bike capital of the world. That's EcoFund in Forest Lake on Highway 97, just west of 35, and down in Burnsville on the service road of life near County Road 42. Not only the electric bike capital of the world, and we are in the season. Yeah. It's the season. It is the season. And the scooters that turn every urban errand into a an adventure, the youth recreational equipment, exotic motorcycles, the Vanderhall roadsters, golf carts, four by fours. I mentioned the kids, youth recreational equipment, helmets and apparel, great service. I'm in full scooter season myself yep. with my Yamaha S-Max that's maintained by EcoFun. Uh, I used it last night for Aaron. I'm going to use it again tonight for Aaron. Uh, you just can't beat it, especially now that the BFLers have also included a <laughs> gas tax increase. Uh, so I'm going to beat the man for a while, 75 miles to the gallon. And all of these scooters are available at EcoFun Motorsports. Go to EcoFunMotorsports.com. I thought you were going to go into this industry. I'm sorry. No, we can come back and finish with that. And then we got to run down and talk to Dan. We're going to wrap her up. He just wants to catch up, whatever that means. Okay. Catch up. What are we doing? We're doing this day in history and we're done. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm late. saving I'm all late. this stuff I had for today. I'm saving it for tomorrow because it, it'll work tomorrow. Uh, MGL Nets. Okay. Sorry, I need to zoom in. I love the Tesla discussion too. That was great. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's with Jesse on that one. All right, everybody. Because isn't that what he wanted to come on and? Yeah, well, still does. God dang it. I'm sorry, it takes me a little longer to move these spots over. All right. I can all edit it after we're done. Suchi boy, you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Is this it then? Yes. Yeah. Yep. We're good. All right. I am rolling. Many. That's the rule. I do love you looked at me and he said, Really? I go, that's the rules. See, mine's right here on the counter. <laughs> Only because they come to us all the way from Fernand Fernand oh Fernandina. Fernandina. I have been pronouncing that wrong. Fernando? That's not Fernandia, it's Fernandina. The village is Florida from okay. the traveling lines. 
at WorldWideRockies.com. On this day in 1841, Joe, today is May 24th, Dr. Christopher Carley and his wife Lydia moved to the site that is now Stillwater. Carly built a log cabin and opened the town's first pharmacy and bank. Mm, That was kind of a prophetic, prophetic, wasn't it? Yeah. You'll need a bank to go to the doctor. You got to have a bank. Imagine if they started that business now. On this day in 1858, May 24th, year of our statehood, the first group of state officers, including Henry H. Sibley as governor, was installed. Mm. And on this day in 1941, 524. A guy named Robert Zimmerman was born in Duluth. You, you might know me. him as Bob Dylan. Come on, Casey Kasem. Uh, he borrowed that name from the Welsh poet Dylan Thomas. Uh, he, uh, we, we know all about Dylan. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He did not ever perform in Duluth until October 22nd, 1998. Hmm. Wow. I wonder why. Because they moved from Hibbing to Duluth, I think, or vice versa. But anyway. But why did he never perform there? You know what? I, I really don't know. I think know. he just oh. let it let it go. Yeah, part he, of his he, life was closed. He's not much to dwell on the home situation. Yeah, but, you know, fine. Well, whatever. He, he did get there, and he's been back We're since. having Duluth this weekend, Bob. Why don't you come back since. All right. Thank you, GLers. And I'll, I can. I got to add that. Oh, okay. Stuff. Uh, the only thing you got to get in is uh, the show was uh, handed over to Patrick Pat Garofalo, a Re- Minnesota Republican legislator. And I got to say goodbye, town council. We got to talk shop before Joe leaves. <laughs>